0: Good morning everybody! Happy Easter! Thank you so much for joining us on this Easter Sunday. You gotta love the kids. You gotta love the paintings. I love and appreciate our worship team so much. They are putting in so much work so that we can worship together. We're trying to do things as creatively as possible to the best of our abilities, and it's all because we just want to glorify God. Happy Easter, guys. Happy Easter. Thank you so much for joining us. We're grateful that you're joining us. And hey, it was probably the shortest distance that you needed to travel on an Easter Sunday to get to church. So amen for that. But wherever you are watching today, we just wanna say welcome and thank you. What's going on, fam? We're gonna go in today. It's Easter, man, I'm ready to celebrate. And it's, it's just interesting preaching in front of a lens. I'm looking at a lens right now and I'm like, I don't see anybody. All I see in front of me is a camera. But if I think about it, I know that there are people outside of the camera. There's, there's somebody beyond the camera. You guys are behind the camera. I, I, I know that you're there. And as I'm thinking about it, it, it reminds me that sometimes there's a difference between what I can see with my eyes and what's actually happening behind the scenes. But if you're new to our church, we're a very affectionate church we love to be around one another. We love to be involved in each other's lives. We love to hug. So if you don't like to hug, I'm so sorry. Maybe our church isn't for you. Just kidding. Come to our church when all this is over. And, and what's amazing is that even though I can't see it, even though we're all separated, right now, you and I are together. We're together. And so, I want to do an exercise. I love doing exercises whenever I get to preach. It's fun because, one, people are tired. They need to wake up a little bit. They need to move around. They need to say something. Because, you know what? You and I, right now, we're at church, this is a church service. This is not a webinar, this is not a seminar, this is not a presentation, we are at a church service and church is a participatory thing, you know what I mean? Church is something that when I go to church, I go to give, not just to be given to. And so what I wanna do, I need to be reminded guys, I need you to remind me, if you're in the chat right now, I've got my phone, I've got my phone, I wanna, I just wanna say hi. I just wanna say hi to you, so if you're in the chat, please just say hi, say where you're watching from and I wanna see, I'm gonna pull it up right now, this live chat. That we're in and i want to say what's up happy easter i see corey what's up corey yes we do hugs we do hugs gwen it's good to see you happy easter missy amen good to see you missy christina austria no way all the way from florida what's going on dog mom i have no clue who you are but hello good to see you watching from hawaii kai Let's go. Makakilo is in the house. Ryan Araki. I love it. I love it. Artie Savigny, Kaneohe. Let's go. Nathan Ebay from California. What's up, Bryn? What's up, Julie? What's up, April? Michael? Micah Kaihue. Let's go, Mikiki. Special place in my heart. Oh my gosh, this is moving too fast. I can't, I can't see them all. Harlan Batak. The Bataks are here. The Tallies are here. Solo, what's up? Zahia. Brenda. Oh my gosh. Ali Amanu. <laughs> eva beach kailua someone someone says they're watching from the eva side the ghetto side i don't know where that is but what's up alaska who's in here from alaska katie quake from washington oh my gosh it's good to see you i'm getting too excited right now but that's but that's what it's all about man i come to church to give i come to church to participate i come to church to worship and praise God, and that's what we're gonna do together. I just we just I just want to have a conversation with you right now. Because it's Easter. And together as a collective, as a whole, we are gonna worship God together. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I just needed to be reminded that just because I can't see something doesn't mean something isn't happening in the background. I hope you're following where I'm going with this because in this crazy time that we're in, is the audio working? Yes, let's go. In this crazy time that we're in, what we thought was normal has been completely turned upside down. The things that, we're, that we were so certain of before have now become uncertain and for a lot of us, what we've taken for granted has been taken away. And what we could have never predicted is actually happening and for many of us we're just kind of putting one foot in front of the other we're just taking things day by day and i want to speak to you for a second if you're feeling a little bit like that if you're feeling hopeless you're feeling a little anxious you're feeling a little worried a little angry a little upset a little lonely a little isolated a little confused, or maybe a little bit of all of the above. I want to let you know today that you're in good company. Because even as we look at the Bible now, we're going to pick up at a point in the story where the disciples of Jesus Christ felt that exact same way. They felt the exact same way that some of us, that some of you may be feeling right now. Their Savior, their Lord, their entire life had been hung on a cross. The man they spent years with every day, their best friend was killed he had been murdered and he was crucified right before their eyes and just like that the one who was the only constant in their life was now absent and so we come to this point and the disciples are in need of hope are you in need of hope they were in need of hope more than ever and they're just putting one foot in front of the other and so we see a couple of the disciples trying to pay their respects to their lord turn over in your bibles to mark chapter 16 in verse 1 the bible reads when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought, bought spices so that they may go to anoint Jesus' body. So these women go after three days of Jesus being in the tomb to visit Jesus. And the book of Matthew says that they left at dawn after Sabbath, so really early in the morning. And what I see in this scripture is that they bought spices, right? They, they had something to give to Jesus. They bought spices. Why? They, they wanted to anoint Jesus' dead body. It was an act of reverence. It was an act of respect. It was an act of compassion. And it was an act of love. But you know, it says a lot about their current expectations of Jesus too. And it's that they bought those spices to anoint him because they expected him To be dead they expected him to be in the tomb and they assumed that he was still dead and you can read all of the accounts of the gospels all of the disciples including peter and the apostles who went into the tomb they all expected the same thing not one of them expected jesus to be alive they were all expecting him to be dead and these are not just some random people These are his best friends, firsthand eyewitnesses to Jesus, and they still didn't believe. Guys, faith is risky because it has the capability to leave us in a place of frustration and fear. Because the greater the faith, the deeper the disappointment. These women and the disciples must have felt that disappointment and grief. That must have been almost unbearable. What else, what else do I see? I, I see that the Bible here is just the truth, right? The Bible is not some fanaticized piece of literature. It doesn't exaggerate, it's, it doesn't pull punches. It's written in simple plainness sometimes for you and me to understand. What I actually appreciate here is that the Bible actually documents the sadness and the grief and the lack of faith of the disciples. And it doesn't, it doesn't try to cover that up. You know, I wish I could make some incredibly inspirational point based off of the current scripture, but I can't do that. I wish I could spin this scripture in a way that would be super inspirational, but I, I just can't. This is not, the start of Easter was not very happy Because the scriptures say that the disciples were in anguish. They were feeling it. They were feeling it. And you know what? Maybe it's okay to just feel it for a second. Because Christianity and faith in Jesus is not something we use to cover up how we really feel. And it's not that my dark times aren't real. And it's not like pain isn't there. Faith is not my imagination. It's not something that I imagine and I create some false reality to cover up how I really feel. Faith is not my imagination. Faith is my interpretation. It's, even that, it's, it's that even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow, that it's just a shadow. And I've got a light to guide me on the way ahead. It's that even though I don't know the way, I can take the hand of the one who does. The ones who should have had the most hope felt hopeless. So, my point is if you're feeling a little faithless this morning, you're in pretty good company. Even the Bible documents how faithless Jesus' best friends were. They were on their way to the place where their hope had been buried. And I wonder what that conversation must have been like when they were on the way there. Well, let's, let's take a look. Let's continue reading in Mark chapter 16, verse 2. It says, Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, Who will roll the, roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? The conversation that the disciples are having, the conversation's about the stone that's blocking the entrance to the tomb and they're wondering how it's gonna be rolled away. Before, when they were on their way to go see Jesus, their conversation was probably about his incredible teaching, about how awesome he was. Man, what are we gonna learn today? I wonder, man, you remember when he talked about adultery and and like the plank in your eye? And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get this out of my eyes, it's nuts. But their conversation now is a whole lot different And what this conversation communicates to me, it's that Jesus isn't their topic of conversation. It's the stone that's in front of Jesus. That's their topic of conversation. And what that says to me is that even though they were trying to get to Jesus, they couldn't get past this problem. You see, there was a literal stone preventing them from worshiping God, but there was also an emotional stone, a stone in their mind and a stone in their heart that was preventing them from being faithful in God. And it's the same for us, isn't it? The problems that are right in front of us, they consume us. That large stone becomes a mountain in our mind, and our doubt blinds us to what may be beyond. Yet, isn't it amazing that even when we're full of doubt, even when all we can think about is our problems, all All we can think about is the stone, even when we seemingly have no way through. God always, God always finds a way. That's who he is. That's the song. He's a way maker, miracle worker. And it's amazing because look what happens when the women get to the tomb. Mark 16, verse four, it says, but then they looked up and they saw that stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. It Had been rolled away. So they get there And they look up and the stone isn't sealing the tomb anymore. It's gone. It's rolled away. God provided a way for them when they didn't think they had a way. But guys, honestly, the most incredible thing about this whole thing is that the women had no idea about the crazy stuff that had happened prior to them even getting to the tomb. Right? They just saw the result of the tomb. But here's what Matthew's account says, what happened before they even got there. And this is nuts. It says Matthew 28... Verse 2, it says, there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And, And when they wake up, the guards end up running away. And so the women get to the tomb, and all they see is the aftermath of what had happened. The stone has been rolled away. They didn't know, they didn't know how. They didn't know there, there had been a Roman guard. They didn't know that there had been a seal. They didn't know there had been an earthquake. They didn't know that the stone had been rolled away. They didn't know an angel appeared there. They didn't know the Romans had fled. All they saw was an open tomb. Before they had even arrived on the scene, all of this had happened. Isn't it nice to know the details of the entire story? Isn't it nice to know the details of the whole story? Like, it's nice when you know how everything is going to play out. Like, I was watching um, James Bond the other week. And um, if you've ever watched, you know, one of those movies, there's like a 1,002 of them. And, um, and you know that 007 is the best. He's the best. He's 007. I mean, he's, he's the best of the best, the most suave, the most British smoldering spy on planet Earth. But there's always this one part in the movie where you think he's gonna die. You know what I mean? Like he gets captured, he's tortured, you know, the, the bad guys seem to have him, and he's gotta infiltrate this base at the last second, and there's like 50 guards, and, 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 and he's gotta do this whole entire operation and he's gotta swim underwater and defuse a bomb. And then there's like that woman, the main lead woman character who doesn't add a whole lot to the plot. She's just kind of there, but she's like dangling from a rope and she's gonna die if James doesn't save him. And then the guy in his comms, in his ears, like, James, you can't do it. James, don't go in. James, you can't do it. And, and but it doesn't matter. He's like, James, you can't make it. You're not gonna make it. And as a viewer, you're like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, what is gonna happen? What is going to happen? But then you're watching Daniel Craig, because that's the actor's name. And like then you hear and you know that he's like signed two contracts for two more movies. And you're like, oh, wait. <laughs> he can't die. He can't die right here. That's not how this story can end. Because I already know the ending of this story. I already know how this whole thing's going to play out. So now you can watch from the comfort of your couch and enjoy the rest of your rest of your movie. I know you all been watching movies on movies and TV shows on TV shows. Don't even act like you don't do that right now. You and I already know how this whole thing plays out. We may not know all the specific details of our story, but we know the God who wrote the ending. And because of that, we have the opportunity to wake up every morning with a new beginning. These disciples had no idea what was happening. All of that stuff happened without them even knowing. And what amazes me is that they already had help before they were even aware of it. Because while we may be worrying, God's already working. He's already working on what you're worried about. God does his greatest work behind the scenes, guys. Just because you can't see it, doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because I can't see you, doesn't mean you're not there. Because what we can see God doing in front of us is not faith, it is believing and trusting in what he is doing before we get to our destination. That is faith. And if I could be so bold to say this, I believe God was acknowledging whatever faith those women had, and in a small way, that stone being rolled away was just a little gift to them to ease their doubt and to ease a little bit of their worrying. And so they get to the tomb, the stone is rolled away, and they're like, all right, I guess we got to go inside, I guess. And so Mark 16, will continue in verse 5, it says, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. The other gospel says that they were scared. Verse 6 says, don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. You know, Jesus was not found where his disciples expected him to be. Jesus was not found where he was expected to be. All of the disciples expected Jesus to be in that tomb. None of them expected a resurrection. And here's the point God will work in ways that you and I will not expect. And don't worry, I can prove it to you. It just takes all of two seconds. Read the Bible. Read any story about how God worked and how he moved and how he delivered. It was never as the people expected. And in the story of the resurrection, I've heard about how strong Jesus was, which is appropriate. I mean, he, he, he went to battle with sin in the grave and he knocked him out of the ring. I mean, he's pretty strong. I've heard about how sovereign God is, and that's appropriate because he's sovereign over death, hell, and the grave. But you know what I'd like to talk a little bit about and what you don't usually hear about Jesus, especially on Easter Sunday. I want to talk about how sneaky he was. I want to talk about how sneaky he was. Watch this. Mark chapter 16 verse 7. It says, but go tell his disciples and Peter. That's what the angel is saying to the women. Go tell his disciples and Peter he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And Matthew's account of the gospel tells us a version of what they did afterward. In Matthew 28, after they got the command, verse 8, it says, So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So the angel tells the women to go tell the disciples that Jesus has risen, and and let's just be honest, they're freaking out. They're, they're, They're freaking out hard. And they're like, what is going on? I have no idea. What is life? And they run out, and they start booking it out of the tomb, and they're running, and all of a sudden, Jesus just appears, and he's like, hiya. Greetings. Hi, guys. It's me. Like, what? He's like, It's me, Jesus. You know, I preached it before and I will preach it again. Jesus is a ninja. I was tempted to retitle this sermon the Sneaky Savior or the Ninja at Noon or something stupid like that. But that's that's, that's, that's my God, that's who my God is. My God can teleport. My God parts the Red Sea. My God has slain giants. My God turns water into wine. My God heals the sick. My God feeds 5,000. My God eats with the sinners. My God walked on water. My God was crucified and my God has risen. And you think you've got him all figured out and then he up and does something that you would never expect of him. Because here's something that we would never expect of God. Here it is, guys. And it's, That the greatest demonstration of God's power came in the moment when Jesus wasn't there. That's the title of the message. (laughs) The angel said, He is not here. And God will work in a way that is so contrary to how we think as humans. We thought he was going to stay dead. We thought he would be a military leader to overthrow the Roman government. We thought he would introduce himself in some grand splendor. And instead, he was born of a virgin in a manger. Instead, he came not to be served, but to serve. Instead of lording his power over his disciples... He washed their feet. And instead, he died a criminal's death as an innocent man. And it's just so nonchalant, right? Like, it's just like any other day for Jesus. He just appears and is like, good morning. How's it going? Like, imagine if he was like, hey, how's your day been? <laughs> or if he was like, hey, how was your weekend? <laughs> I think Jesus had a sense of humor. And if I were in that scenario, I would have fainted right then and there. I can't even front. I can't even lie and say that I'd be tough in this scenario. Like, like after the roller coaster of emotions that past week, up and down, up and down, up and down, right? Like you got the triumphal entry. Wow, that's so cool. Jesus coming in on a donkey and there's palm leaves and ooh, Hosanna. Wow, that's so cool. But then during the week, Jesus is like, hey, y'all, I just want to let you know that I'm going to die. And we're like, mmm. What? <laughs> don't talk about that, Jesus. You don't need to talk about that. We're good. And it's weird, man. We don't we we don't talk about that, Jesus. And then it's like, "What? Judas is a traitor." And then they're like, "What? There's this huge mob." And then, "What? He's getting he he's getting taken away." And then and then he's getting flogged and he's he, he he's getting persecuted and and then he and then he hangs on a cross. And the past Sabbath has been the hardest day of my life and now I'm at the tomb because I just wanna worship. And Jesus is not there. Did someone take him? Like where did he go? And then there's this random dude in a white robe that's like so bright I can't look at him and he's like, hey, Jesus is risen and I'm confused as I'll ever be. Have you ever seen Anchorman? It's like I am in a glass case of emotions right now. I have no idea how to process what I'm feeling. And then I'm running out of the tomb in a stupor, like, oh my god, what is happening? What is happening? And then Jesus just appears. I would see Jesus, I would freak. I'd be like, ah! You know what I mean? I would freak out. I would literally faint right then and there. Just like those Roman guards, man. Like those Roman guards, dude, they, the angel, just, just the angel's presence, man, made those Roman guards faint. I would have been shook. But what I love about Jesus is that he's so calm, that he's so reassuring, he's so graceful. Because in the midst of our chaos and in the midst of insanity and craziness, here is Jesus. And he's as calm as he'll ever be. He's as calm as always. You and I may be a glass case of emotion right now, but Jesus is here to calm us down. That's who our God is. He just does things differently, guys. He's just different. Jesus is sneaky. He snuck up on Mary, and in fact, he snuck up on a bunch of other disciples too. And Luke's gospel says that Jesus snuck up on two more disciples. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13, the Bible reads, now that same day, okay, so That same day, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, that same day, two of them, meaning two of Jesus' disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So here we have two disappointed disciples, and they're making their way back to their old life before Jesus because he was their hope. And they saw him die on the cross, and thus their hope died along with him. They were talking with each other, verse 14, about everything that had happened And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? So these disappointed disciples are leaving Jerusalem, talking about everything that had happened. And all of a sudden, here he comes, not in a huge procession, not in a a chariot of fire, not even on a donkey, Jesus just comes walking right up next to them. Because he's sneaky. He's sneaky. He just comes up to them and is like, hey, what you talking about? What's going on? Just a casual conversation. You know, never mind that he's the creator of the universe or that he's just resurrected and beaten death or anything like that. Never mind all that. And even though Jesus showed up to them, which is incredible in and of itself, they they didn't recognize him. That's what the Bible says. They didn't recognize him. Guys, God will sneak in some opportunities to be closer and more like Jesus and dress it up in a form that we may not realize. Parents, I'm gonna speak to you for a second. Maybe he's trying to sneak, maybe he's trying to sneak in some patience into your life in the form of your teenagers being home all day. I'm gonna let that one simmer for a second because I know it. I'm preaching to your gut now. I know, that one went deep. Students, maybe he's trying to sneak in some self-control and responsibility into your life because you have to hold yourself accountable to online school and no one is watching you. And for everyone else who's listening, maybe he's trying to sneak in the most faith-building time of your life in the form of what may be one of the hardest times of your life. Because God doesn't do things the way that we expect him to. These men did not recognize Jesus. It's amazing to me that two hopeless people were standing next to hope itself, yet they didn't see it. Because just because God gives us opportunities to be close to Jesus, it doesn't mean we actually choose to connect with him. Because the fact of the matter is, and this is the truth, guys, is that Jesus has always been part of your life. He's always been close by. He's always been right there. But maybe you just never realized it. Or actually, maybe you just haven't acknowledged it. Or you refuse to acknowledge him. Because the Bible, what does the Bible say about how close God is? I mean, the Bible says that the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. And in Acts 17, verse 27, says that God wants us to seek him and find him even though he's not far off. But in order to actually build a relationship with Jesus, we've got to respond when he initiates with us. And just like he starts a conversation with these guys, he's trying to have a conversation with you right now through his word. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints And marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And guys, I'm gonna be real. The reality of the situation is that Jesus is not just trying to have casual conversation with you. I mean, He asked those guys a very simple question, but it led to a lot more. It may just start with a question, but Jesus isn't just trying to have a casual conversation with you. He's looking for a real relationship with you. And that, that requires letting the word of God into your heart like never before. And Jesus wants to talk about things and ask you those questions about stuff that will cut right through, all the way down to your very soul. And in his word, questions will come up and he'll ask you stuff like, how are you really feeling? Can we have a conversation about who you really are instead of who you pretend to be? Can you tell me about your doubts, your insecurities, your worries, your anxieties? Can we talk about your addictions? Can we talk about your drinking habits? Can we talk about the pornography? Can we talk about all those things that you're hiding from everyone else? Because I can see them. They're clear as day. Why are you hiding? Why are you running? Where has your faith gone? Who stole your hope? Even though these men could see Jesus, they didn't recognize him. And I believe that they were kept from recognizing him because they didn't have eyes of faith because they were unable to see beyond the tomb. Brothers and sisters, do not miss out on what is because you are stuck in what was. Do not miss out on what is because you were stuck in what was. The Bible says when Jesus asked them what they were talking about in verse 17, it says they stood still, their faces downcast and then they proceeded to tell Jesus about Jesus if you read the story they, they proceed to tell the author about the book and how they had hoped he was going to be the one and how they had hoped that he would redeem them and how they'd hoped that he would come through and get this after they're done Jesus says in verse 25 in Luke 24 verse 25 it says he said to them how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. That's that's a lot of scriptures. <laughs> but Jesus hasn't even been resurrected for not one day and he's already preaching the gospel. First day back with the living and he's ministering to people. That's my God. And what a sermon that would have been, huh? To hear the word from the word himself. And he's just, and he's so convincing, and he's so convicting that by the time they finish that seven-mile journey to Emmaus, I don't know how long, how long Jesus got there at that point, whatever, the disciples are like, please join us for dinner, man. And so they get to the dinner table, and verse 30 says in Luke 24, it says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. He took the bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. And he gave it to them. And what Jesus did right then and there was a direct representation of his sacrifice on the cross. He took the bread which represented his body. He committed it to God. And then it was broken and he was crucified for you and me. And so for us now, on Easter Sunday, Jesus is the bread of life. Therefore, we do not live on bread alone, but we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's communion. He was doing communion. It's a remembrance of himself. You see how God works? He's sneaky. Luke 24, verse 31 says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Their eyes were opened. Guys, they remembered. They remembered who Jesus was. And Jesus was helping them to remember who he was. They just needed a little reminder. And we all need to remember who Jesus is. It's that in the midst of complete chaos, he is peace. In the midst of trial, he is our security. In the midst of doubt, he is our hope. And on Easter Sunday, we remember. We remember that he was spat on, that he was beaten, that he was falsely accused we remember that he was cursed at, that he was flogged. They put a crown on his head that marked his brow and they put a sign above his head in three different languages announcing him as king of the Jews. And what they thought was the greatest condemnation was actually the greatest compliment that they could ever give him. That he is king. That he is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And today, we remember, I remember, and you've gotta remember, that my shackles were nailed to that cross. My shame was nailed to that cross. My fears were nailed to that cross. My failures were nailed to that cross. My sin was nailed to that cross. And he took all of that for our sake and was crucified for it. And it was his love for you and for me that held him there on that cross. It was his love for you and me that enabled him to endure what he did. And he died. He died and he was buried. And for a minute there, we thought we lost him, right? For a minute there, our hope wavered. And for a minute there, our faith was shaken. And darkness covered the land, but only for a little bit because the light is always stronger than the darkness because Saturday was just a setup for Sunday. And on that third day, that Easter Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. Come on, church. And that very resurrection means that all that stuff that was nailed to the cross stays in the grave. Jesus rose from the dead so that by his grace we could live. And that empty tomb, that empty tomb means that our hearts can be made whole, that our lives can be full of purpose. That is Easter, this is Easter. And for you and for me, because of his resurrection, Easter is not a once a year thing, it's an everyday thing, Every day is Easter. Because that's our new reality, it's not our imagination. It is our reality because he rose and that tomb was empty. Jesus came out of his grave so that you could come out of yours and it's time, it is time It is time to come out of your grave. Come on, guys, it's Easter Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. Stop mourning like it's still Saturday. It is Sunday. These disciples, their hearts were burning as Jesus talked to them. And that's just what happens when you encounter Jesus. He'll take a heart that is made of stone and he will make it flesh. He'll take a heart of sadness and he will fill it with joy. He'll take a heart of apathy and he'll light it on fire. Their eyes were opened, they remembered. They remembered and we remember, you and I, we remember and they finally recognized Jesus. And just like that, Ninja Jesus disappears. Jesus is like, all right, you guys are good now, I'll see y'all later. And what's funny is that you can read the rest of the chapter, but he actually does see them again. He appears to all the disciples. He like walks through a locked door and they're scared again. I mean, Jesus is just messing with people at this point. (laughs) Their eyes were open, guys. Are your eyes opened? Do you see with eyes of faith this morning? See with eyes of faith. Their eyes were open. And what does the Bible say they do? Verse Verse 33 says they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. What did they do? They made a decision. They made a decision. And they probably took that same role that they were just on and they went right back to share the good news of Jesus. Whoever had stolen their hope, whatever the case was, they got it right back. And they were ready to preach the word of God. They were ready to share the good news. It took a little bit of time for them to get it. That makes sense. It took a little bit of time for them to get it. It took a little bit of time for the women at the tomb to get it. It took a little bit of time for the disciples to get it. And it may take a little bit of time for you and me to get it. And that's okay. Because God allowed that space between the crucifixion and the resurrection. And that 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 time in between our recurrent sufferings and the promise to come, there's this space that God has provided for you and me. It's called life and it's the place where our faith can grow. He's provided this space for us and the purpose of it is so that our faith would grow in him. The resurrection is the most convincing argument. It's the most convincing argument. It's the place where our faith can grow and it takes a little bit of time. My challenge to you this Easter Sunday is to make a decision. Make a decision for God. Maybe that decision for you looks a lot like turning around from the place you're going and heading back to where Jesus is. Maybe that decision looks like finally having a real conversation with Jesus and the word of God. I challenge you to make a decision to listen to the word of God. Maybe it looks like understanding that even though we may have some stones that we can't see past, we understand that God is working behind the scenes and he knows the end of the story and we can put our faith and trust in what he's doing. Whatever your decision is, guys, we wanna be part of that with you, guys. And I wanna encourage you, in the description below the video, I've always wanted to do this on YouTube, like click the link below. Whatever your decision is, in the description, there's a digital connection card for you to fill out. We'll be in Bible studies all week. Right, disciples? We're going to be available for Bible studies all week. We're going to be in Ohana groups all week. We're going to be talking about the word of God all week. How can we help? What can we pray for you for? How can we walk with you in your relationship with Jesus? Because we're in this together. We're going to figure this out together, because we have our hope in Jesus Christ. Lastly, guys, I want to encourage you guys to come back next week. We're starting our brand new sermon series titled, Uncertain, because even though our journey through life is full of uncertainties, we can be certain that we have a God who will show us the way to go. Thank you guys so much for coming to church this morning. Bow with me as we have a word of prayer. God, we have no idea what you do. We have no idea what you're doing. We have no idea the ways that you've worked in our life to get us to the point that we're at today. We have no idea the power that you have, God. It's immeasurable. We have no idea what our tomorrow's gonna look like, what our physical life is here's gonna look like, We just don't have a clue, God. But you know what? That's okay. Father, we trust you because you know the end of the story. Father, we trust you because you didn't just die, you rose. Jesus is not stuck in the past. He is alive. And Father, that promise, that promise just gives Gives us another day to keep going. Gives us another day to keep trying, Father. I mean, we want to, we want to be close to your son. We want to be like your son. And God, we, we are faithless sometimes. We are hopeless. We're full of anxieties and insecurities, God. Thank you for meeting us where we're at. Thank you for meeting us on the road to Emmaus, God. Thank you for meeting us outside of the tomb, God. And even if we're scared... We don't, have to, we don't have to associate with that fear because our identity doesn't have to be in that anymore, God, because we got you. Father, our identity is in you. Our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. And today we celebrate you. We remember your son. We remember his sacrifice. And we remember his resurrection. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. We love you. We're so grateful. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for coming to church. Thank you for celebrating the resurrection with us. We will see you next week. God bless.